It's good to see everybody here this morning. We are interrupting our regularly scheduled program for an important announcement. Anybody old enough to know that reference? That's a cultural reference. No, y'all don't have regularly scheduled programs. Everything's on demand through Netflix. Well, it used to be that when you watch TV, there was a regularly scheduled program and you were excited and then they'd interrupt it for an important announcement. Well, we are interrupting our regularly scheduled program through the Gospel of Luke and for this very important announcement of asking everyone to go all in. Now, we're calling you to go all in in service as members of this church. Uh, We are incredibly blessed as a church that every single member of this church serves on a service team. And that is phenomenal. That is incredible. I personally am not aware of any other church that does that. I'm sure there are some, but it it is just such an incredible blessing that everyone, all of us who are members, we're all serving. So we're all in already in that sense. And that's insanely good. But I want to call you to something different. I want, you to call, I want to call you to all in in a different sense of that phrase, all in. In other words, I, want to, I pray that this text today and our time in the Word today actually encourages you to go all in with your heart, to go in with enthusiasm, to go in with joy, and not just to go in going through the motions. You know how it is. I was writing this sermon, and I was writing this paragraph on how we, what is it really like when we're all serving all year, year after year, that it isn't always flowers and roses and, and, and happy. And right as I was writing that paragraph, one of our members dropped in on an ounce just to say hi, and I said, perfect timing. I need some help thinking about how it is when you get tired of serving, and you couldn't be a better person. And so he sat down. I'm only kidding. He was great. But, so I said, let's talk about what it's really like to serve over the years and, and some of the challenges of it. And we said, all right, let's be honest. You start out, you start out strong. You're excited about teaching a kid's class. And not too long down the road, you're winging it, you're writing the lesson on the way to church, and you're kind of going in there just kind of winging it. Come on, let's not pretend I'm the only one that's ever done that. Come on, I see see your eyes. Or on the way home from church, you can do a little grumbling, a little mumbling, a little complaining, you know. I'd spent all that time on that lesson, and nobody listened. Or, hey, I did this, or I did that, and, and there's some complaining and grumbling on the way. And one of the things that you might be complaining about is, you know, they always get the easy job. I'm not going to tell you which one's the easy job because y'all are going to all sign up for that if I tell you which one the easy job is. But, you know, my job, the one I always get placed in, my service team position, is always harder. And they always keep getting that, that easy service team. Why don't they try signing up for what I'm doing sometime? Is it just what that guy said? None of us would ever say any of this. They refuse to serve in the harder positions. Why don't, okay, you know what happens. Those who are young and have kids right now, a lot of you are in here, you're saying to yourself when you sign up, you know what, I'm with kids 24-7. Why don't those older people who don't have the kids, why don't they serve in the kids' ministry? And you know what the older people who don't have kids are saying? You know what? I paid my dues. I served in the kids' ministries when all those kids were being raised. Why don't those people with the kids, their kids are the ones benefiting from the ministry. Let them do it. I'm doing something else. I mean, that's what's really going on, all right? So we're all in in one sense, but I want to encourage us to say, let's go all in with our hearts, with enthusiasm, and with joy. What our pamphlet says is serve Christ, serve others, experience joy. I'm hoping that today 
This is a reminder of how to find joy in serving Christ and serving others. Now, this isn't just for members signing up for service teams. This is for all of us because all of us are called to serve. Christ calls us to be servants of others. If you're married, guess what your primary job is? To serve your spouse. As an employee, you are serving your boss. As a business owner, you are serving your clients. As a neighbor, you're called to serve your neighbors. As a student, you're called to serve your teacher. You're called to serve your parents as children. We all are called to serve. Now the question is, how do you go your entire life serving, sacrificially, dying to self, giving yourself away to everyone else and do it with joy? Well, that's what we hope to learn as look at, by, by looking at Philippians chapter 2, 1 through 7. But at the end of the service, we've actually got an email already. But after, don't do it during service. But after service, go online, click on that email, go on our website, sign up for your service team position. We have every single job description out there. And this, this, is, this is just a printout. I mean, anything from serving in the band, serving in the media area, the welcome center, the parking lot, changing filters, changing light bulbs. We want you to go on there, sign up, your rank your top five choices of what you want, and then we're going to put you with children. <laughs> Pray with me. Father God, we ask for your help this morning as we study your word. And we ask you to give us a joyful heart, Lord. Help us by, as we look at Christ... Show us his motivation or show us our motivation and then show us his mindset so that we might serve Christ, serve others, and experience joy in doing so. It's in Christ's glorious name we pray. Amen. All right, turn in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. This is our text for today. And in this text, Paul points to Christ and says, Christ is shows us our motivation and our mindset as we serve others. First, let's look at our motivation in verse 1. Paul says, So, if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Let's pause there. Paul is pointing to Christ and saying, let's be unified in Christ. Let our unification in the body be rooted and grounded in Christ, that he is the source, the foundation of what unifies the body of Christ. And we're thinking in particular the motivation for unity and the motivation for serving the body of Christ as we look at this text. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 23, Paul also says, Whatever you do, everything you do, work heartily, serve heartily, give it all you got, go all in as for the Lord and not for men. So when you serve, go all in as if you're serving the Lord and not men, because you are serving the Lord when you serve other people, knowing that from the Lord you will receive your inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ when you serve, he says. So go all in. First Samuel twelve twenty four, 
Only fear the Lord and serve him faithfully with all your heart. Go all in for the Lord. For consider the great things that he has done for you. And so this is just a sampling of scriptures all throughout your Bible that tells you that serving Christ is the root of joy in your service and meditating and thinking about what all the great things that Christ has done for you. That is the fuel that produces within you what you need to serve, to sacrifice, to die to self, to be selfless, to get out of your own way, to enjoy serving others. You got to know how to meditate on Christ, know who you are in Christ, what you have in Christ, what he's done for you. And that then produces within you the fresh joys and affections of your heart of what all the great things he has done for you that produces for you the joy to give yourself away. But what we have to do, what I'm going to spend most of my time on today, is working through lesser motivations. That's the true motivation. And we'll look again at what that looks like. But the true motivation is your identity, your, the benefits that you've received in Christ, your love for Christ. But what do we really find motivating us? Because you probably could have said, yeah, I know that, Pastor. Thank you very much for the reminder. But let's spend some time teasing out what's really motivating you this morning. Lesser motivations. There's a great book called How to Serve Christ and Keep Your Joy, written by John Henley. I think it was written primarily for pastors, giving their life to the church, and yet they're dying because they're not, there's no joy in it. Well, how do you, how do we live serve with joy our whole life. Well, in the book, he does a great job of saying, let's think through some of these motivations that aren't quite good enough. They're not bad, but they're not good enough. The first false motivation, and that if you're doing things for this reason, if this is what's motivating you, it's going to ruin, it's going to steal your joy. You're going to end up not having joy. The first one is to be good enough for Jesus. Now you go, oh, I know better than that. I've grown up in the church. I'm not serving to be good enough Jesus for Jesus. Well, are you? Has that crept into your motivation just a little bit? Luke has already made it clear that none of us is good enough for Jesus. You've got to abandon this idea. If you think that I, I, I'm serving and this is just adding a little credit to my account, come on. You think about it like your quiet time. How, let's, let's just think about it. Have you ever thought this like, uh, you had a bad week and you're like, I've, I've, I've read my Bible four times this week. Isn't that going to make me a little bit better? Doesn't God love me a little bit more? Isn't Jesus a little bit happier with me when I have more quiet time? Now, if you came in and you said, I'm not serving, and you left, would you think that you are just as right with God as you were before? No, you wouldn't. You would think God's got a little less love for me right now. And so a lot of us have this feeling of, I, I, am, I am right with God because of Jesus, but I stay right with God because of Jesus and my performance. And let me tell you, if you're being motivated to serve in order to be right with Jesus, it's not going to work. That's legalism. That destroys the gospel. Your standing with God is based solely on Jesus. It's as if. Jesus is giving you all the credit for the fact that he has served his entire life in the children's ministry. And you get all credit for that. 
So you can't get anything more. You can't do anything to make yourself good enough for Jesus. Jesus has already made you acceptable for God. You and I are both. We are sinners and we absolutely deserve nothing. But Jesus came and died on the cross in order to make us right, to give us his righteousness, to make us good enough for God. So serving is not going to add to your account. Another reason we serve sometimes is to get something from God. Think about it. A lot of times we think, if, if I do this, God's gonna, I'm going to have a better chance of God answering my prayers. I've been praying for this child to repent. And if I, if I don't serve, that's probably going to hurt my chances of getting that answer from God. And if I don't serve, God's not going to give me the, this thing that I want. We think that doing something is going to get something from God. Well, we learn from Luke chapter 15, the parable of the prodigal son. God doesn't want you serving. God doesn't want you trying to get things from him. God is a generous God. He's already given you everything. Everything that he has determined is good for your life. He is already committed to doing that for you. The two sons of the prodigals of the father, both, all they wanted was something from their dad. The first one that kind of gets the bad rap, he was just out and open about it. He said, give me my inheritance now. And he went and squandered it. He was humbled. And his dad just said, come back to me. I want this. And he embraces him. Well, the other son, the more pious one, is just wanting the same thing. He wants all that he deserves for being a good son, for not squandering. But all it is really is two sons. All they want is something from him. They don't want him. And God is saying, I want you to want me. And I want you to serve not to get something from me, but because you love me. Are you serving to try to get something from God? If you are, it's not going to last. You're going to end up bitter. You're going to end up tired. You're going to end up frustrated. You're going to end up angry because you're not getting what you want. Another false motivation sometimes that we serve is to try to pay him back. And I'm, I'm guilty of probably promoting this sometimes. It sounds like this. God has given you everything, so you owe him everything. As if you're going to pay him back. I'm going to serve on this service team, and that's going to pay you back for dying on the cross for my sins. Not going to work. There's nothing that you can do to pay him back. That's, that's a little better sounding than I'm going to get something from God. At least I'm trying to, it's more noble. I'm going to give God because I owe him. But that oftentimes leads into serving out of guilt. feel like I owe God and I got to pay him back and I'm going to, I'm going to live under this cloud of guilt and servitude. That's not the right motivation either. God doesn't want to live you that way. God doesn't call you to serve your wife and lay down your life for your husband out of this guilt that I owe God everything or that I need to get something from God or he's not going to give me what I want or if I don't do it or like I got to make myself more acceptable or God's going to love me more. None of those motivations are what God wants. None of those motivations actually give God any glory. So that's kind of thinking vertically some some lesser motivations, some false motivations that will rob your joy, but we also do it horizontally. We serve to impress others. We serve to try to belong. We serve because we feel needed and valuable. Are those bad? No, they're not bad. Those are all blessings of service. In fact, 
We talk about it all the time. In, in the church world, we say, man, if you've got people serving, if you can just get people serving in the church, they're going to have a sense of ownership. They're going to have a sense of belonging. Their commitment level is going to be so much higher. It's going to encourage them in so many ways. And so we need you to serve because all of that's good for you. And I'll tell you what, that will not sustain you. There's got to be a deeper, better motivation. But all these lesser motivations, though there's some of them aren't so bad, there's good things about them. How do we get there? Because you know, you know how we start out. We start out on fire. As new believers, we come to know Christ, and he just opens our heart. He explodes our heart with excitement. He, fills our, he changes our lens so that we view everything differently. Where we used to think the word of God was this boring, outdated work of literature. and It just didn't make sense and I never got anything out of it. And it was just drudgery to try to open it. And when the spirit of God comes into our hearts and changes us and opens us, we read the word of God and we devour it. We can't get enough. We get a taste and we see, man, this is alive and God is speaking to me. And this is powerful. And then what we used to view the church as a place where I don't even want to go. It's drudgery, it's tradition, it's religion, and all I, I just feel guilty when I go, and, but I know I should go, and so I try to go, and, and it's just radically changed when I come to know Christ, and he changes my heart, and I realize we are all one in Christ. We've all been adopted as his children. We all were sinners, but, we, but I, I know that all of us are fellow strugglers, but we're made holy in God's eyes because of the righteousness of Christ has been given to us as a gift, and I want to go to church. I can't wait to get to go to church. I want to be here, and as I'm here, I say, what can I do to help? And there's an excitement, and there's a joy. How can I serve? They say, well, hey, we want to put you in children. And then you're serving with excitement. And as you're serving, life is good. Jesus is good. You love the church. You love the people. And you're thrilled to be there. And you're serving Christ. You're serving others. And you're experiencing joy. And then a parent says something that hurts your feelings. Then Tracy disappoints you somehow. Then there's a relational conflict somewhere. And then another year goes by and the Lord doesn't answer a prayer the way you want him to. Life happens. And then what happens over time is that joy, that excitement, that thrill that was kindled by the flame of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that it would change your life, that gave you the, the joy of serving just naturally. You didn't have to think about it. It just happened because he was so alive and burning the embers in your heart. That starts to fade. And then there's this subtle little drift that starts to happen. You come to church not quite as excited, but you leave kind of pepped up again. And you're like, you know what? I'm so glad this church expects everyone to be in community and expects everyone to serve. I need that. I need that accountability. And, and that, that service, it feels so good to serve. 
I'm so glad I served today. And, and you know what? I see the difference I made in that child's life. And I could tell that parent appreciated me. And I, feel, I felt that sense of community that I still enjoy. And, and it, you leave a little bit better off because you served. And what you discover is there's a transition happening. And that transition is serving is becoming a little more valuable than Jesus. And it's that serving that's feeding you. And so now what you don't realize you're doing is you're serving to serve yourself. You're serving to keep yourself pumped up. You're serving to keep yourself moving forward. You're serving because of one of those false lesser motives. You're not doing it on purpose, but just all of a sudden you realize, I'm not serving because Christ is my greatest treasure. I'm serving because of what I get out of it. And I'm serving because I need that to pump me up for another week. I'm serving for the wrong reasons. And I'm going to tell you, it won't last. You end up like Martha and Mary. And all the Marthas in there said, really, again, we're going to pick on Martha? Yep, we're picking on Martha. The Bible picked on Martha. What did Martha and Mary, the story of Martha and Mary do? Jesus showed up. Mary sat down and embraced Jesus. Martha served because she had fallen into that trap where she had a choice. I can stop serving and embrace Jesus. I'm going to keep serving. And that's the point of the Martha Mary passage. We don't try to, but we get to the point where serving becomes our God. It's kind of a strange twist, isn't it? It's not what you expected to hear. But that's the subtle shift that happens. And when anything besides passionate love with Christ becomes the motivation, it will fail you. It becomes an idol. It will destroy you. It will let you down. Even good things, all the things that we're asking you to do, serve, be committed, be in community, but none of those can become God replacements. But that's exactly what happens many times to all of us. And Matthew 6, 1 says, Do not do your acts of righteousness before others to be seen by men. And we don't think of it that way. We think of it as the Pharisee pounding his chest and showing his righteousness. But it's also, I'm serving. And when I serve, I know you appreciate it. I know you think I'm more spiritual. I know you think highly of me. And it makes me feel better. And that's why I'm serving. Matthew 6 says, don't do that. So those are many great benefits that are inherent in obeying the will of God. It is great to have those joys and those blessings, but they can't be the ultimate reason and motivation behind our service. So what should be your motivation? I'm going to tee it up for you. Who should be your motivation Jesus, home run. It's always the right answer. Jesus is our motivation. But what does that mean? What does it mean for Jesus to be your motivation to go all in? Enthusiasm, excitement, energy, to give 
yourself away for the good of others. Well, first of all, Mark 10, 45 says, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. We serve because Jesus first served us. We serve because Jesus gave his life for us. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians, Paul's working through a passage where the church worship services are gotten out of hand. There's crazy stuff going on. There's all kinds of distractions. Everyone's wanting to do their own thing, to, to do righteousness in the sight of men, to elevate themselves. And Paul says, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. One thing is required. You can do all these things, but if you don't love, it does you no good. 1 Corinthians 13, 1, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but I have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all kinds of knowledge, and if I even had faith so much that I could remove mountains, but if I have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all that I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, if I even serve in the children's ministry, without love, I gain nothing. The love of Jesus must be our motivation. See, here's how it works. First of all, it's discovering the love of Jesus that produces love for others. There's three major analogies in the scriptures about what God thinks of you. God says, first of all, you are my child. If you are in Christ, God adopts you. He calls you his child. He also, if you are in Christ, calls you his spouse. You've been engaged. You've been entered into covenant relationship, you are married, you are one with Christ. God loves you like the perfect spouse. And here's my favorite one. If you're in Christ, God says, you're my friend. I don't know why I like that one a lot. I like the others too. But there's just something about Jesus saying, come here, my friend. Come here. He says, I have told you every, I've shared with you everything from the Father, and I'm not treating you like this. I'm treating you like a friend. I have brought you in, and I love you. All three analogies are all about love. I love you like a spouse. I love you like a father loves a child, and I love you like a bro. I got your back. You are mine. I'm a foxhole friend. You're a foxhole friend. I was like, this week I was in a car with someone. And he goes, man, yeah, we were talking about someone doing something. He goes, yeah, man, he's just a foxhole friend. I was like, what's a foxhole friend? I want to be a foxhole friend. What is that? He's like, oh, man, you know, it's just when you are there for them. And you are, whatever they need, anytime they need it, you're there for them. I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's, I get it, bro. I'm a foxhole friend. I want to be a foxhole friend. Don't you want to be a foxhole friend? Don't you want everyone in this church to be like, man, I'm your foxhole buddy. I am there for you when you need me. Jesus says, that's what I am for you. He says, because I love you. And when, when you're in that loving foxhole friend, father-son 
husband, wife, bro, and you've experienced that, that's what produces, that's the only thing that produces the love that overflows to others. That's the only motivation that will sustain you. Is that your motivation? What's motivating you to sign up? What's motivating you to serve your spouse? What's motivating you to serve your parents and your teachers? What's motivating you to serve your neighbors? If it's anything less than the incredible, unfathomable love of Christ, it's going to disappoint. Check your motivation. Serving Christ and serving others. Experiencing joy. But how do we do that? Second, we see in Christ, in verse 4, our mindset. He models for us the mindset. He says in verse 4 of Philippians 2, Do nothing from selfish ambition. Listen to Christ's mindset as he serves you, as he embraces you, as he calls you his friend, as he loves you. He says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mindset among yourselves which is actually yours in Christ. If you're hidden in Christ, this is his mindset. This should be your mindset. Who though he, Christ, though he was the very form God, did not count equality with God something to be held onto. But he released it. He emptied himself, taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. Wow. God emptied himself, sacrificed to take on his position of humble servant. And he says, this needs to be your mindset. This needs to be your mindset in the church. This needs to be your mindset in your marriage. I see several couples that I've done premarital counseling with before you got married, and this glorious time was over and over saying, happy, I'm so excited about happy engagement. Die to self. Live for for your spouse. And it's just like, what? It's a counterintuitive. The secret to a happy marriage is dying to self. Die to self. Experience life like you've never experienced it before. And that's the call of Christ. That's what Christ did for you. He died to self that you might have joy, that you might experience life, that you might be reconciled to God, that you might bear his image for all the world to see. Death leads to life in God's design. And he did it with joy. And Hebrews 12, 2 says, looking to Jesus, who is the founder and the perfecter of our faith. What did he do? Well, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. He went through the cross with his eyes set on the joy. He was motivated by joy to die for us. How do we get there? How do we die to ourselves and all of our selfish desires with joy in our hearts. It was until 10 years in our marriage that I finally began to taste what that's like, and I'm still working on it. 
But 10 years into my 28 years of marriage, I started to say, I've got to train my heart to take joy in doing the things that bring my wife joy. That's how I serve her. That's how I honor God, is by making a choice, a conscious decision of the will to make it my joy, to tell my heart, I'm going to enjoy this. I'm going to take joy in bringing her joy. And if going to the store and bringing her groceries brings her joy, and I'm going to make it my joy to go to the store and bring her groceries because that's how I serve her and that's how I serve my Lord. And that's how we serve in the church. Joy is not a fleeting emotion like happiness that it hinges on circumstances. Joy is a steadfast, confident assurance that's rooted in God and in the things of God, in the character of God. And it is based in, bathed in the providence and the sovereignty of God that God is good and glorious and joyful and has a plan and his will is good. And learning to take joy and find joy in God and in his character, in his will, is how we start to have roots of joy in our heart blossom into the joyful service that we're called to. But it doesn't just happen automatically. It doesn't just come and go. It is a labor to discover joy. And as we remind ourselves, as we preach the gospel to ourselves, as we remember God died for me, God saved me. God loves me. God calls you his child. God calls you his bride. God reaches his arms around you and calls you his friend. He forgives you. He gives you grace. He gives you mercy. He lavishes you with unconditional love. He will never reject you, never disappoint you, never, de- never let you down. He will always do you right, and he is the ultimate good. And as you preach that gospel to yourself, as you tell yourself and remind yourself of the things of God and his glory and his love, and you choose to put away the things that are not glorious and not true, then you will start to taste and see how good the Lord is, and he will rekindle those flames of love and passion in your heart, and you will find that you love God and you love the things of God and you love the people of God, and you will find you will lay your life down for them. You will become a foxhole buddy for them. I have been serving my tail off for my daughter and new son-in-law. They bought a house, their first house, and needed renovating. And I am tired, and I am tired of being tired. And they're moving in to their new home next Sunday, praise the Lord. But I have worked my tail off. Out of character, every free moment I've had, I've zipped over to their house, and I have spent late hours doing things like painting that I despise. Do you know why I have done that for them? I'm not hoping they like me more. I'm not hoping that I get something from God. I love them. And it just happens. I mean, I'm, confessions, y'all are all technically my boss. I have a confession. Last couple of weeks, 
it's been hard to work in the office because I'm like, I got so much to do with their house. I got so much to do with their house. That's not me. I'm the guy who's usually like, I wish I could help you, but I got plans. But that's what love does. And so I'm telling you, serving Christ, serving others, experiencing joy, the only way to give your life away to these brothers and sisters in your church, to your spouse, to your teachers, your coworkers, your bosses, your clients, your neighbors, your employees, and on and on and on for the rest of your life. With joy is if you are rooted and grounded in the incredible, sacrificial love of Christ. That's got to be what you do every day. Stir those affections for Christ. So we're praying this reminder will help you. Let Christ be your motivations and let Christ be your mindset. Father God, we ask for your help. We pray your spirit will be strong in us. You have called us to serve, to give our lives away, to, to die to self, and that is just a painful, brutal process. And there is nothing short of your incredible love for us that will satisfactorily motivate us to that kind of life. Lord, would you be mighty in our eyes with the sacrifice that you've given us? Be so glorious in our eyes that it, it just produces, it draws from our selfishness, it draws out a love for Christ, and it results in love for your people, your ways, your will. God, produce within us a joy to serve others that can only come from your spirit. It's in Christ's precious name we pray.